This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. On this edition of the Lens Report, the city of Toronto may need a drink of water and a long sit due to dizziness caused by its own conflicting policies. The Canadian Prime Minister drag races conservative trolls in the homophobe 500. We break down exactly who broke social media, and we'll end the show a little differently this week. Let's dive in. Prime Minister of Canada Justin Trudeau is set to make an appearance on the reality show Canada's Drag Race. Announced this week, Canada's Drag Race is very proud of JT's appearance, and made note that this would be the first time a world leader has ever appeared on the Drag Race franchise. I used to be in the default camp that would have automatically thought that this was just another photo op for the PM, another virtue signal coming from a man on a perpetual campaign tour. While these things may still be partially true, I would be remiss to completely ignore the message that it sends, which was pointed out by the television show in that announcement. What may seem to be fluff and nonsense to me could mean the entire world to a segment of our community who have been up against it socially and systemically for their entire history. Criticizing the PM for his show of support to a historically marginalized group is a direct slap in the face to said community that he is trying to lend his voice to. Any way you slice it, minimizing his support by calling it exclusively a virtue signaling photo op also minimizes the group he is supporting. Any sort of appearance that could be construed as a photo op they literally have photographers and media whose full-time employment is to stay on top of these bozos. When we call for accountability and access to them, and then get mad when those people do their job, it's the definition of sucking and blowing on the same issue. We don't need to support his politics if we don't agree with them, but if he's in a position to give away the privilege of attention that he has given to groups who would need it, then just shut the fuck up about it. We don't need to support his politics if we don't agree with them. But if he's in a position to give away the privilege of attention he has given to groups that need it, just shut the fuck up about it. Your attempt to discredit our national image with hashtags like Canada is not a serious country is an embarrassment in itself. I'm talking directly to you, Alex Pearson. Inferring the world has lost respect for Canada because our PM shows public support for a marginalized group is really a hot take. You should be sure to include it in your AM radio show that airs at 9pm during the week. I'm sure all three of your listeners will agree with you. The City of Toronto has raised alarms and reintroduced the discussion of mandatory masking in certain areas of the city. A recent spike in respiratory illness is causing public health officials to remember we're still in a pandemic. Toronto's top doctor, Eileen Davila, has said the city will continue to follow the provincial health guidance on COVID precautions, but stated the city will also go its own way if required. This stance comes after Toronto's health board asked Toronto Public Health to urgently explore mask mandates again as hospitals begin to feel the pressure from both COVID cases, seasonal flu, RSV, and other respiratory illnesses. On the same day this alarm was triggered, the City of Toronto announced they'll be lifting its mandatory COVID-19 vaccine requirement for staff, volunteers, and contractors next month. Why? They're continuing to follow provincial guidelines and blah, 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 blah. Stop. Just stop. 
Slow down and digest what you're seeing unfold right before your own eyes right now. Sometimes, big city bureaucracy can't help but fuck itself sideways when it comes to messaging. Why? Because it can't keep up with itself with its own narratives. You're getting an opportunity to see that unfold right here. This is a perfect example of the left hand and right hand outing themselves. Talk is talk, but action matters. They can say all they want about masks. They are actually showing you their intent with their actions. Say, considering mask mandates. Do, take away vaccine requirements. Both say they're following the science. Who is wrong? It doesn't matter. They don't give a shit either way. As we enter almost double-digit waves of this pandemic, you cannot be expecting politicians to learn from history when it has such a detrimental, devastating, and sometimes brutally fatal outcome on polling numbers. When we return, we'll find out who broke social media and the answer may upset you. That and more, right here on The Lens Report. We've spent almost three decades learning what social media can do. What we've failed to do is take note and reflect on the milestones we've crossed along the way. From all of us signing up and logging on to various platforms, awkwardly announcing what we're doing at that very moment, feeling uncomfortable and wondering, who the hell cares what I'm doing right now? We had a beautiful bashfulness about us, and we still possessed a keen self-awareness that we are but a mere speck on this spinning rock we all share. We all poked around social media like awkward teenagers at a high school dance, but once we saw our friends dancing, we all started to get in the groove. We shared photos, stories, anecdotes, and funny everyday moments with each other. When we started feeling a little more confidence in that sharing, we started to share birthdays and death announcements. Sometimes, we pulled pranks on our friends. We embarrassed ourselves and others in good spirit with old pictures of crazy hairdos and terrible fashion choices of the time, and if it wasn't for Facebook, I still wouldn't know 80% of my friends' and family's birthdays. We reconnected with people we grew up with. Sometimes it went poorly, but for the most part, it was a really great system. We actually enjoyed being here. This is around the time when the dealer stops giving you the crack for free. What we didn't know was the golden age of social media was its infancy. There was a certain beauty about it, and we used it as the developers originally intended. Then, and I swear it started with the chainmail-style post from Aunt Beatrice who told you Mark Zuckerberg would donate a dollar to a charity every time you shared a picture of some deformed baby. This is around the time where the rot started to creep in. Where were you? You were just getting settled in. That weirdness had melted away. This was normal now. Social media has become part of your routine. The platforms evolved around this by asking you what you wanted. You want calendars? We'll give you calendars. You want memories from last year? Here you go. We baited our own hooks on social media. Advantageous Nigerian princes of the world, also known as the societal bottom feeder grifters du jour, saw opportunity at this point. They saw Aunt B's naivete with her well-intentioned but far from reality shares. They smelled blood in the cyber water and realized that they now had an entirely untapped source of rubes and gullibles to exploit. This is around the time when companies like Facebook and Twitter realized that other companies and organizations would pay very good money to be able to peep around your cyber windows and take a look inside. 
It didn't stop here, though. Next came the government. And I don't mean official channels of information from the government either. I'm talking about the politicians themselves. It started out as a campaigning venue. It evolved quickly into an attack ad arena. Again, let's do a timeline self-awareness check here. If you're normal, you've gone from awkward newbie to comfortable, willing participant. Some folks, though, subconsciously, it seems, developed an acute arrogance and weird sense of importance at this point in social media's history. A level of self-entitlement fueled by likes and retweets. Who did that? You did that. I did that. The constituents, being you and I, would react to the mudslinging bloodbaths we used to only see on Canadian television screens during American political primaries and midterms. We were now in the room. It gave us this sense of actually participating in the debates. Again, how naive. In reality, all we do now is argue with each other. We feel as though instead of taking tangible action to hold elected people accountable, we can just say snarky things on a Facebook comment thread or send a witty tweet and now our voice is heard. Those with that newly minted skewed sense of self-importance amplify their favorite political candidate with gusto. Identity politics on steroids are born. And all those reactions we put out on Front Street are like a bag of Skittles all jumbled, mixed up in a satchel of reds and blues and oranges and greens. To us, it's just a bunch of comments. That guy's an idiot. That guy makes sense. Like, like, like. Share, share, like. Comment, comment, comment. Click, click, click. To political strategists, those Skittles are worth more than pure gold. Enter companies like Cambridge Analytica, whose job it was to sort the Skittles into neat little piles and tell whoever was paying the bill what flavor we all were, and where to find us, and what we like to eat, how much money we made, where we like to shop, and most importantly, what we thought about policy. The strategists would then take these brimming buckets of beautiful biographical bits and tailor a terrifically tantalizing temptress of a talking point, load it into the candidate's mouth, and hit play. Or schedule a tweet. Or write a Facebook post. In regard to social media wreaking havoc upon society, we've allowed ourselves to be lulled into the spoiled mentality that someone somewhere always will be in charge of keeping us safe from bad things at all times. We've embraced the platforms we all are addicted to as comfort zones. We expect those platforms to think how we think and throw anyone who disagrees into the sun. In allowing this, we've also given ourselves some weird sense of entitlement of demanding those platforms only operate the way we see fit. I love social media. I love seeing what other people are doing. It's fun. I like to share recipes, pictures of my dog, fart jokes, and engage with our audience. I'm comfortable knowing that the private entity that owns the platforms I use also uses me to make money to keep said environment running and churning a profit. Targeted ads don't really bother me. I actually enjoy some of them. What you may see as some gross invasion of your privacy, I see as a convenient way to remind me that we're out of hot sauce. I don't feel compelled to vandalize my own vehicle with political statements and stickers because of pictures I see that are shown to me on social media. I freely accept this onslaught of advertising as I'm a guest of the platform and upon entry to said platform, the bouncer at the door tapped the sign to remind me of the deal, asked if I was okay with it, and then I walked in under my own power. You've watched how people have turned this whole role-playing arena into a mainstream driver of their own reality. You've seen the democratic institutions come under unprecedented attack because a reality television star told the people to attack it. 
from an app on his cell phone that is no more an electronic version of graffiti scrawlings on a bathroom stall partition. You have allowed this. I have allowed this. We have allowed this. We have allowed forms of entertainment to invade our very fabric and confuse us to what is real and what is fake. Now, this isn't a pointed attack on the right wing either. I'm looking at you now, lefties. You've allowed extreme elements of this country, like the state-sponsored Canadian Anti-Hate Network, to convince you that even engaging with someone with a differing opinion is dangerous. You've excused their blatant lies and misinformation campaigns to harden the stance that if someone opposes a rule set forth by the government, they are automatically a treasonous piece of filth who deserves less of a voice than you in this fine democracy. While they may not be right, they do have the right to be heard and express those views. Does an organization like the Canadian Anti-Hate Network have a role to play in democracy? Absolutely. Demonstrable hate has no place in this country. Should it be funded by the government? Again, absolutely, it should be. But with funding should come bipartisan scrutiny. Should it be allowed to push biased narratives unchecked and run with agendas seemingly set forth by individuals not guided by the charter of this great nation? Such a banger. <laughs> social media should be viewed as it always is intended. It was a form of entertainment and socially procured content. If you take away something useful, insightful, educational, or you read something that inspires you to seek out credible information to further your knowledge base, that's great. If you're on it to have someone else play security for your precious, fragile mind, I'm sorry, but you're going to have a bad time here. Owning a pet tiger can be both fun and fatal. How you choose to tame that tiger will dictate your experience with it. And if it wasn't for social media, we would have never found Bishop Bullwinkle. He's going to play us out. That's it for the Lynn's Report this week. I'm Ryan Lindley for the Dean Blundell Network. We'll see you next week. Got some people, they coming off the street. Got a mighty look at them, they strolling in. They need help. They land at the altar. They confess the sin, their sin. Come on, wait. Time is here Monday morning. They doing the same thing again. Hypocrite, hypocrite. Hell no. Come on. Tell them no, no, no. Friends, go!
talk much as you please. That's what they gonna do, y'all. Cause all you gotta do is get down on your knees. Tell the Lord about it. You tell God about it, and I guarantee you he will never leave you alone. Yeah. All you gotta do is tell the devil, hell no, won't you leave me alone? Devil leave. Hell no. Come on, wait. Till the no, no. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.